Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We have another great episode for you this week. You're going to get to meet my friend, Devin Schlegelmilch. And Devin, I hope that I pronounced your last name correctly, but I've known Devin for about a year now. She is an amazing mom of two daughters that came her way through adoption, and she shares her beautiful story of adoption in this week's episode. And I got to meet Devin through one of our Rising Above community groups. She and I are in the same community group on Wednesdays, and we have just really gotten to know each other there. And it's those our groups are just such a great time for you to get to be with other moms and dads who get and understand what it's like to be a special needs parent. We have great conversations. We get into the Word of God and just encourage each other on this journey of being special needs parents. So if you have not already signed up for one of our groups, please just take a minute, go to our website, look under the community group tab, and you will find all of the listings for our different groups. And I know that um, if you do that, I think you'll really enjoy getting to be with other parents who get our life so that we can be in community with others instead of being in isolation. So go check out what we have to offer there. Now, I know you're going to enjoy this conversation that I had with my friend Devin. So here is my conversation with Devin. Hey, Devin, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I am excited for people to get to hear from you and hear part of your story. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, you and I have been in a Rising Above community group now. I think we talked. We were talking yesterday during group. I think it's been about a year. I think so. Yeah. Now, and um, I have so loved getting to know you and hearing about your story and your family. And mm-hmm. I know that our listeners are going to love getting to know more about you as well. So, as we get started, just share a little bit about who you are and where you live and and who's in your family. Yeah. So um, my husband and I have been married for 18 years and we currently live in Ohio. We've lived also in California. So um, and I have two girls uh, through open adoption, uh, eight and three, and they uh, each have their own special needs. So. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about that as we get through our conversation. But I know that just from conversations you and I have had that you know you shared you had you've adopted both of your girls and that mm-hmm. you and your husband struggled with infertility. So mm-hmm. what was that like for you and and how did you and your husband manage going through that? What was that like for you in those those early years? Yeah, it was probably the hardest span of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that I've ever experienced. I think, you know, you get married and, you know, you just expect to, you know, everybody, you hear people, you know, everybody's talking about not getting pregnant and don't get, you know, here's how you don't get right, pregnant. Right. So you spend all this time not getting Try pregnant. Not to get pregnant. Then, right. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, okay, now you're ready to get pregnant and mm-hmm. it doesn't happen. And, yeah. um, you know, then your friends are having 
you know, then there's the baby showers and then there's the baby showers for second kids. And then even third kids, we were, you know, we, we waited for nine years before we, um, yeah, had a, had a baby. So we, um, there wasn't anything clear. Um, I was fortunate to, I got to the doctor and she, a doctor diagnosed me with endometriosis mm-hmm. pretty early on in the process. And so I went through a laparoscopic surgery. It was pretty, you know, I was relatively young, about 28 or so, you know, so there was really no age issues going on or nothing mm-hmm. they could physically see, but the endometriosis. So that was supposed to boost your fertility. And so then nothing happened and nothing happened. And I, we, we did try to do a few, um, we did some medical interventions. So we did, um, some injections and for those of you familiar with infertility, some IUIs, which are inseminations and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, in the process though, we had, uh, I had two miscarriages and so we were kind of at the next step to where the next step would have been IVF and we just didn't really have peace about it at all. And just felt like, um, it wasn't with the miscarriages and just spending all that money. And I, my body did not react well to the hormones Mm -hmm. and all that involved. And so that's kind of the point where we opted to go ahead and, and pursue adoption, which is always something that had been on our hearts. I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, adoption is kind of like this romantic idea, maybe on the back burner, you know, a lot of times. And so it's probably that for us, but, um, you know, then we were to the point where we were really like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is a real, a real pursuit for us to, to start our family. So, and I'm sure there had to have been, you know, just the grieving of, the the grieving process that you went through, you know, trying to get pregnant, not being able to get pregnant, then two miscarriages. I I had one miscarriage and I thought Mm -hmm. that was like, at the time in my life, that was the most horrific thing, you know, to ever go through. And so processing through that. Yeah, it it really was. I mean, you know, infertility is one of those griefs that come every month, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. you each, it doesn't, you know, like, if somebody passes, then you have that ending point and you grieve and you go through yeah. a grieving process. But this was like that cycle that just went through every month of that hope every month. And then the discouragement every month, and then you hope yeah. every month, and then you just discouraged every month. And so it was really just a, a really painful time. And yeah, my first miscarriage was so early that I didn't really know about it. And so it wasn't as hard hitting to me, but my second one, it was still early, but I definitely had like a positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. I had had symptoms, you know, and it had been, I'd say six years or something of trying by that mm-hmm. point. So we're like, oh, okay, finally. And and, you know, and it was just much harder and much more difficult. And that was the point where I was like, I can't, I don't think I Thank can do this. this. Yeah. My, I mean, I have friends that had so many miscarriages and they would just keep trying. And I just knew for me, that was like a, a point where I was like, I just, I, I can't do this yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, too much heartbreak every time. Yeah. yeah so. I don't think I'm going to make it if I have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, I've been blessed to get to hear your adoption story in our community group, but I would love for your listener, for the listeners to get to hear your story. Yeah. How you got your two girls. Yeah. I'd love to love to share that. So um, 
so we opted for domestic adoption. So, and we went through a private agency. So there's different avenues of, of for adoption, but that's the way we did it. We connected with an agency in our area and we kind of had a recruitment weekend, you know, where you, they say, okay, now you can tell everybody you're expecting because, you know, we were going to get you a baby and the, mm. the, um, they had kind of given this timeline of that, like 90% of their families uh, were matched, meaning like they had a birth parent uh, with them within like a year, about a year's time. And so we were like, wow, that's great. So um, probably the heart, one of the harder parts of this, I mean, it's very roller coaster mm-hmm. experience in general. I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. But you have to make what's called a birth mom letter. So you have to create this. It's kind of like this little pamphlet about why you would be an awesome parent. And it, it really felt, it was really like a really kind of almost a humiliating experience for me because it felt like I had to, you know, hear all these people just having babies everywhere. And here I have to like sell myself mm-hmm. about why it would be, yeah. why I'd be a good parent. And it just felt really, it was, it was hard, but we just followed the rules of the agency and we did our best. And we, we prayed a lot and had a lot of people praying for us. A lot of people knew about our journey of, of infertility and they were really pulling for us. So, um, honestly, years went on. I mean, wow. it was years. We, we got some calls here and there from birth moms, but it, I had, a, we had a couple like early, um, birth moms who had like just found out they were pregnant and they wanted to place for adoption, but then most of them changed their minds, you know, by the end. And we just kind of got to the point where we're like, you know what, we just want to talk to birth moms in their last trimester who are pretty, you know, they're, they're pretty, not, not that it's a guarantee, but it's just like, they're a little more sure of the process. They've had a little more time to think. And so we adopted in California, which is very, uh, California has a gives birth has really favors the birth parent, which is fine. But, um, so the birth parents have up to 30 days after the baby is placed to change their minds. So that whole experience also was a little bit nerve wracking to think about. And it was open adoption, which meant, um, you could negotiate with the birth parent about how much contact you could have Mm -hmm. after how much they wanted, how much you wanted. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of scary stories out there about what that, what that could be. And we were unsure about that too. But anyway, eventually I, I maybe about five years into infertility, I thought, you know what, I'm not going to put, I I was really putting my life on hold, you know, and because this baby was going to come, you know, and so I just wasn't really moving forward. And I, So at that point, I just decided, you know, I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to just pursue what I'm going to pursue at this point. So I went back to school. I got my master's. I started teaching. And um, I remember I was at school one day. I got a phone call from the agency and said, hey, there's um, there's a birth mom looking at your letter. Um, She's she's thinking about between you and and uh, another family. And I think she would like to contact you. And is is that okay? And so she gave me a little, you know, um, some little information about how to talk with them and what to Mm -hmm. say and that kind of thing to a little coaching, you know. And um, so I talked with her and she was 
her name was Kara. She's 15 years old. So that was at the end of January. She was due in March. So she knew it was a girl and they live not far, not too far from us. We, we chatted a couple of times and the next step was to meet and to kind of, uh, and go from there. So um, we met up about halfway and she, uh, with her mother at a, at a restaurant. So it was her mother and her, and her mother said, you know, um, we just really want to assure you that I am not in a position to parent this child. And that's what it would require for mm-hmm. us to keep this child. And we really don't want this child to go into foster care system if at all possible. So we're really looking for, you know, another alternative. And we, we really want you guys to be the parents. And she's like, I just want to assure you, we're, we're not going to change our minds. Mm, on this. Wow. We are not going to change our minds. And yeah. another piece of the story that I just, I, it's a little bit long, but I just want to share it because it's just so wonderful. But anyway, so birth moms, on the other hand, they call in and say, I have a baby, you know, I'm this far along. They do a little intake and they give information about the kind of parent that they would like to, that they're thinking about, you know, the agency then sends them stacks and stacks of these birth mom letters, you know, and so they can go through them and look through them at their own leisure and kind of get back in contact when they're ready. So they had sent this stack to her um, at her home and her mom, her mom tells me this, tells the story this way that she kind of picked up the stack and she just flipped through them really quick and was like, no, 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 no. And she looked at it, looked at this one and said, I'll be right back. And so she went into her room for a little while. Meanwhile, before she had even looked at the stack, her, the so birth mom went into the into the bedroom. Her mom, her brother, and her brother's girlfriend had looked through the stack, and they had kind of liked us as as they kind of picked us out and liked us for whatever reason. So when Kara came back out of the bedroom, she showed them our birth oh, birth wow. letter. And they, she said, you know, this, I think I really like them. You know, I I think this is the one. So they had all kind of been in agreement separately um, that we were the family. So that was really. Just a confirmation there. Yeah, it's just so great. And, you know, in a very, uh, you know, 15 year old way, we had asked her later, like, what about, what about us? Did you like, or, you know, why did you choose us? You know? And she said, well, well, my husband's name is Andrew. Andrew didn't look creepy and you looked, <laughs> and you looked pretty nice. So I thought it was good. You know, <laughs> I was hey. like, okay, wait for not looking creepy, honey. Yay for not looking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you have, I know you said they're open adoptions. Do you have contact with her still or? We do. Yeah, yeah. we, we do. And, um, her, her, um, her mom is still, she's, you know, she's now in her early twenties and doing her her life and has a job and back to school and all those kind of things. And um, so we don't talk with her as much, but her, uh, her mom and I still chat, you know, we text back and forth, but I send, Mm -hmm. we send pictures back and forth and do, they do, they send gifts on birthdays. And when we lived closer to each other, we visited more, but now we're all kind of spread out around the country. So and now your, your other daughter is three and you also, you adopted her at birth. 
correct? We adopted her at birth, also California domestic adoption. Uh, we went with a different agency this time. So we waited for about four years for um, our daughter, Ella, to, to, to join our family. So we started that process. With and yeah, with her. And so for Ophelia, we uh, started, it took us about two years. So from, from the time we started with them to the point of having her. So mm-hmm. actually with us. So um, we, her, her birth mom was a different situation that she was a little bit older, um, in, you know, more her early twenties. And we were able to talk with her. We talked with her every Monday night. I remember each week for four or five months um, as the pregnancy progressed. And we were able to um, meet her and her mom uh, one time um, in person, which was wonderful. Called, they called when uh, her birth mom was in, in labor. And so we had a, a friend take Ella and my husband and I drove down, uh, down to where she was and um, spent the night there kind of in our car and kind of in the hospital waiting wow. room. Wow. <laughs> and we're there. She, she is so for Ella, both my husband and I were in the, in the delivery room. We were there at her actual birth. My husband cut her cord and was the first to hold her and everything for Ophelia. Um, birth mom had requested that birth, that it just be me in the delivery room and not my husband. And he's like, I'm just fine with that. (laughs) He had his experience. I think he was okay. So, um, so I was there and her mom was there with her and, um, so it was a very different experience for her in that uh, she never wanted any contact with with us or the baby and never saw her. It was a different situation, situation as far as her yeah. dad was concerned, two different relationships. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I, it, it makes me sad because I now I know that birth parents involvement is can be such a blessing, mm-hmm. you know, so I really well, had a hard time with that at the beginning. Um realizing I think she didn't quite know what relationship she wanted with us so we were it was hard to um I don't think she quite communicated that as well and she may not have quite known Known probably what to do yeah and yeah what a gift yeah for for them um to choose adoption you know know. to choose to um to 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 give their their daughters up for adoption and um that that they are now in your home and you know you both of your daughters have unique needs Mm -hmm. and special needs and so tell about what their needs are and kind of how you discovered those with each one of your girls sure so Ella was always she was always very happy and very active but basically as soon as she started walking she was running and Mm -hmm. she was climbing and she was just never stopped ever. And she was very strong-willed and very, um, you know, I remember, especially being like a first-time mom, you know, I would see people walking and their, their kids just holding on calmly to this, to walking with them to their, in their hand or at the store or something. And she'd be off running away and, you know, like not something's up here. Much. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, I'm the worst mom ever. (laughs) We just had her in a stroller, like way longer than you would normally have her. I mean, she was smart as a whip, you know, and just really just so active. So later on, as she got older, 
um, she was diagnosed with uh, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, which she always, she was a really a sensory seeker as a little one, the kind, the kid that would kind of fully immerse herself mm-hmm. in anything sensory. So mud, she just, you know, there, she was a mud puddle. She's covered in mud all right. of a sudden, you know, she's cup, she's painted her whole body. She's covered herself in markers. She's, you know, just all of Fun that. Times, huh? that. Fun yeah, times. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she's a sensory, you know, so um, now she's a little, she has some more sensory avoidance sensitivities now, but it, it, it varies. And I think as she gets older, it's a little different. And she also has some anxiety issues. So, um, you know, we just, we work with her as much as we can during that through, through those things. Um, and so her pediatrician diagnosed her ADHD and then she saw an OT for a while and they, uh, talked about the processing yeah. process, sensory processing. So, and then for Ophelia, she, um, she was just this very calm, sweet natured baby, you know, just would sit there. She was a little bit delayed in her, uh, gross motor skills. I mean, not, not super delayed, but just a little bit on the, on the slower end of the normal, you know, trajectory. So for her, I remember for her two-year-old checkup, um, my husband just said, you know what, just see, cause we had moved. And so we, we knew kind of the, how they did things. And so do things in California, but we weren't sure here and with a new doctor and stuff, she's like, he's like, just have them kind of screen for autism because she's not really making eye contact and this and that. Now he works with people with autism. So I, I tend to think like, yeah. yeah, And I, but I tend to think like, Oh, he thinks everybody has autism, (laughs) you know? So uh, I think it's just a standard practice that they do this autism screening at certain ages. So I went in and she started asking me these questions. Oh, does she point? No, she doesn't point. Does she answer to her name? No. Does she say this many words? No, she doesn't. Does she, you know, she's not really making eye contact. Okay. And so she just went through the assessment and she basically said, well, there are enough red flags here to where it may be worth getting her assessed. Um, she's like, I, if it were my child, I would get her assessed. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't saying you had to go get her assessed or anything, but um, that's what she recommended. So mm-hmm. we, it, you know, we, we contacted a couple places and there was a lot of um, waits, you know, you had to wait a good three to six months for an evaluation at a couple different places. And we knew how important early intervention was. So um, my husband is actually a psychologist. So he had some connections and we got into, we did a private assessment and sure enough, she came up on autism spectrum. Um, so she, um, she has some, some words. She uses a lot of scripting she doesn't really use it to communicate necessarily Mm -hmm. or words to communicate she does make some requests here she'll say things like up if she wants me to carry her she'll there's some food requests that she'll make but um but she's actually very sweet natured very gentle she smiles a lot she has she wears glasses which I think 
She's cute as a bug. She pops in sometimes when we have community groups and she's just (laughs) cute as can be. Yeah. So, you know, we did ABA therapy for about a year and our funding ran out on that. So she's now going to like a special needs preschool in the afternoons and she's, she's doing great. I mean, she's, you know, definitely it's when I'm reminded, you know, when I'm around other typically developing preschoolers that she's definitely delayed yeah. <laughs> you know she's yeah. definitely not a typically developing preschooler but she's really a blessing to our family so. so sweet and you know so I know you've got two daughters they're both on IEPs they both have therapies mm-hmm. they both are mm-hmm. in different schools how mm-hmm. in the world do you juggle all these things when you look at <laughs> your family and, and trying to make things work <laughs> as you laugh? Because, yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's like you stop and evaluate your life. You're like, yeah, that is a little crazy. Yeah, <laughs> you just kind of do, don't you? We just kind of yeah. do. Yeah. And then it's like, right. oh, wait a minute. Maybe my life is a little, <laughs> a little bit different here. You <laughs> well, know? You're right. That is kind of sounds crazy. <laughs> um, well, I mean actually a big blessing for our community is there's buses they have school buses that come pick up in front of our house and drop yeah. off in front of our house. Yeah. Well, there are a lot but, of people. I know some friends who are struggling with that right now. So that is, yeah, a blessing. yeah, it is a blessing. So, but um, yeah, I mean, I feel blessed also that I'm able to stay home, be home. And that's kind of, you know, my major piece of my job at home is helping to manage the, the schoolwork, the one where there is schoolwork, the, appointments, the IEP meetings, the, all that kind of thing. So, um, I feel, I feel blessed to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that your faith plays a huge role in your life. And Mm -hmm. so how has your faith impacted your journey? And then how, what are ways you've seen God just like navigate this journey for you, help, help you on this path to know how in the world you live life as a special needs family? Hmm. Yeah, I remember when Ophelia got diagnosed and I was just really, I was really mad and like mm. upset for a while, yeah. you know, like, okay, one special needs kid, but now I have two, you yeah. know, how am I supposed to do this? And then, you know, after all the infertility, I'm like, I went through infertility. That's supposed to be the hard part. Right. <laughs> right. No, that's, yeah. that's the hard part. I did the hard part already. God, you know, now you owe me some, a little bit of something, you yeah. know, Come on, throw yeah. me a bone here. Which is, is not really helpful at all, but, um, but I think we all process through that. I mean, I think there's, <laughs> I know I did, I did as well. So, yeah. 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 And, you know, and just that those expectations that you have are kind of, you know, you, you realize, okay, well, things are not going to go the way I thought that they might, you know, or the way I had hoped that they might go yeah. as far as my own, um, my own dreams, like for my own life, you know, like, like I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And now, you know, like I maybe wanted to go back to school or should I go get a job, you know, when my kid goes to school and now I'm like, oh, now I, maybe I need to stay home and manage more therapies and more special needs. And maybe it's not going to be, you know, maybe it's not going to be all about me. So, Mm -hmm. um, surprise, surprise, but, um, yeah, I think, you know, God, I, I really, I think just coming honestly to God and, and saying that I also have some other, another mom that 
is also a special needs mom that she's like, I hear, you know, just people saying, I understand that. Mm -hmm. And that's, that makes sense to me, you know, that you might feel that way to kind of be able to have my feelings and move through them. And for them to be validated. Stuck. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Instead of getting stuck in that place of, Mm -hmm. Of that oh, anger Lord. and disappointment and, yeah. you know, and, and, yeah. and I'm, I feel so sorry for myself, you know, like of this life that I might mm-hmm. have to lead now, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, and I know rising above is really big on gratitude, but that's another piece that uh, my husband and I also work on a lot is just being grateful for the things that we do have, you know, and, and even the, the blessing, I mean, it's, it's a blessing too, to kind of slow down a little bit, to relieve some of those expectations of, oh, we got to keep up with this family or this family or that family who's their kids in this activity. And so we better do that. And it's like, well, our family's different. So we have different needs. And it's like, for me, a little more freedom to, to just be the family unit that God wants us to be. Yeah. When you get to that place. I, I still of struggle with that comparison yeah. piece, but yeah. yeah. The comparison piece is, that's a struggle for all of us. But I think, you know, like when you get to that place of going, okay, this is what God has blessed us with. Mm-hmm. My husband would always say I've, that God told him, he said, I've given you a gift. What mm-hmm. you do with it is up to you. Mm. you know, are you going to say that, you know, thank you, God, for this gift of this amazing child, or are you going to go, this is not what I wanted, you know, and so that perspective uh, totally impacts everything that that we do in this, in this Mm. journey. And, you know, when I look at our life as special needs parents, you know, there's things that God has taught me as a special needs mom that I would have never learned elsewhere. What are some of the things that God has shown you and taught you on this journey? Hmm. I think just a theme for me, especially last year was just his sovereignty Hmm. in everything. And, um, that these things haven't caught him off guard, you know, that he didn't like make a mistake that needs to be erased and re you know, and reconfigured, but that each of these things are, you know, his, his calling for us is to be more like Jesus. And so he kind of, he creates or he, yeah, he creates these opportunities really for us to draw closer to him and be more like, become more like Jesus. And I think that that's for whatever reason, I don't understand it, you know, because in his wisdom, he understands the bigger picture in ways that I don't, but infertility was part of it. Um, moving as part of it, having two girls through ad- open adoption with these specific birth moms are part of it with these special needs are part of it. And just that, just that divine orchestration of all the elements and just that care and, and nurturing that goes into that and how we benefit from that when we can kind of, when I can kind of get out of myself, you know, yes. and what I, what I prefer, what I feel comfortable with, you know, when I can kind of let go of that and trust God that he, his sovereignty is, is amazing. Yeah. Is, is an amazing grace for us. You Absolutely. Know? Even when it doesn't make sense to us, you yes. know, and there's, there's things that we may never see or understand this side of heaven. Um, that how the life we've been given is not only impacting us, but others around us and, and how we choose to 
embrace that life mm-hmm. or reject that life, you know, and it, it impacts so many things beyond ourselves. And so yes. I think just hearing what you said there just a minute ago was a blessing to me too, of just going, you know, God is sovereign. He is in control. He didn't just walk away and go, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. Devin now has two daughters with special needs. You know, it's not, I didn't know, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know, but to see that if you, I think if we can get to that place of going, God, you are in control of all things, mm-hmm. even when it doesn't make sense to us, mm-hmm. then you can have that peace. Mm-hmm on this journey. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is a, that is a, a yeah. good, good, good word. Now, you know, I know um, that when you're out and about with your family and in the community, different people see our families in different ways. What, how do you want people to, to view your family? When people see you, what do you hope that they see when they see your girls, mm-hmm. when they see your family unit out, what, what is it that you hope that they see in you? Mm. I, I always think like a big sign saying work in progress. <laughs> yeah, I think we all could have that one. Yeah. yeah. But through, you know, through God, but we have God's great, you know, we're all works in progress. And, and I just feel fortunate that we have God's grace and God's, God's banner of love over us, you know, and that God would, and that others would see that. And particularly people that are not Christians, you know, would be able to see that, yeah, I, I lose my temper with my kid, but you know, we we are bound by a commitment to each other and to Christ, mm-hmm. you know. And so we we um we have I have forgiveness in that. I don't have to, you know, put on some kind of super mom image or um, you know, we're some kind of you know, my husband and I don't have to be some kind of model parents, but we just need to love love each other and love, you know, others around us in the, in the best way that we can. So, so as we close out here, you know, what would you say to a mom, maybe who's struggling right now? Maybe it's a mom who has adopted a child, not knowing this child was going to, you know, some people go into adoption and purposefully adopt a child with special needs, but there may be a mom listening who maybe has adopted a child and they're just now finding out that this child has special needs and maybe they're struggling what would you say to that mom? Hmm. We see you. Hmm. We, yeah, God, God knows it's hard. I mean, you know, just the adoption process itself is hard and, and a painful process, but again, in his sovereignty, you know, he knows just, just the way that a, a baby would have been born out of your womb and that he created that that baby to be yours. He created this adopted baby to be yours, mm-hmm. you know, and it's okay to be upset and to be sad and to grieve that, but, you know, find people that can help you focus on the goodness of God and just ask for help and support where you need it and give yourself time and yeah, it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah. And community, I think, is such an important mm-hmm. piece of that because you need to be around other people who get and understand your life. Yeah. Like you chose to be part of the rise, you know, one of our rising above community groups. And so we have that opportunity to be with other moms who we all have different diagnoses. We all have kids who are, we're in different parts of the world. We have yeah. kids who are different ages. Yeah. But we still have that same, um, 
experience of being a special needs mom, but also that same hope mm-hmm. uh, in Christ. And so mm-hmm. that's what gets us through each and every day. So, yes. Yes. Um, that's been, it's been a big blessing for me, especially, um, you know, the mamas who have older kids and adult kids now and have kind of been through what I, you know, and just the affirmation or validation of being like, Oh, I remember that that was hard, you know, (laughs) and, and it's okay. You know, and just sharing the different perspectives. Well, this is how I responded to this person at the grocery store who said this, and this is how I responded and just encouraging each other. And that way it's been a, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Devin, I appreciate so much you taking the time out of your your busy life to, uh, to help do to do this podcast with me. And, um, I'm so thankful for you sharing your story and I'm so glad that I get to call you friend. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Becky. Thank you for listening to the rising above ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.